we've been looking at a subject the last uh, two weeks. We'll conclude with this tonight, um, and that is on how should we respond, of course, to the laws or to the instructions that are given uh, that may go against God's Word or may not mesh completely with God's Word. How do we respond to that? And we've looked at some things, and we'll uh, quickly uh, recap once again tonight. But let's look at our text. We'll read it one more time. Psalm, uh, Esther chapter 4, verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai ran his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Father, once again, we ask for your help. Guide my thoughts, guide, our, guide, my, uh, guide my words. I pray that you would help us, please, to see the truth of the Word of God. Help us not to see it only, but to apply it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Quickly, we saw in the last couple of weeks that Mordecai, of course, heard of the decree that the king Ahasuerus had made about every Jew would be killed. And as he saw the decree and heard the decree, he, of course, responded uh, through this decree by humbling himself. Let me just quickly go through uh, our initial points in which we've looked at this uh, over the last couple of weeks. First of all, we saw their response began through humility. How important that was. And we saw that, of course, through the tearing of sackcloth, uh, a sign of brokenness inside, a willingness to break oneself and humble themselves before the Lord. That humility then was then joined with prayer. Humility joined with prayer is a powerful thing. As we approach the throne of God, it truly moves the hand of God. And we saw that life of prayer. Then last week we looked at prayer empowered a stable mindset. If you did not get or had the opportunity to listen or to watch last week, may I encourage you to go back to the podcast. May I encourage you to go back to the message and watch that. Uh, it would be a help to you. Uh, as we looked upon the stable mindset that God wants us to have, and that, of course, is through His Word. Nothing else will uh, compares to the stability of the Word of God. And I pray that it was a help and a blessing to you as we began or as we looked at the biblical mindset that God gives. And may we be focused upon the Lord. Now, I want us to continue here tonight on this thought, a stable mind focuses upon faith. Do you see a building here tonight? Do you see a process that is built? And truly, as we begin to do things right, God begins to order our steps. You know, the Bible tells us the steps of a good man are ordered before the Lord. What does that mean? God says, if you humble yourself, you begin to pray. And as you begin to pray, I want to increase your mindset, give us stability there. And as you have a stable mindset, you will see how you can take a step of faith. It's a step. It's a staircase. It's, a, it's walking from one step to another. And this is so important that we see the building of faith that came through this and how God worked in this to establish great faith, not only in Mordecai's life, but also throughout the people of, uh, of Israel who, of course, are now living in captivity. Their country has been shut down, and God is helping them in this way. They're in turmoil amongst a shutdown, amongst a timeout, a national timeout, as it were, and God is trying to help them and give them a, a, a favor and will truly will spare their lives in the midst of a time in which government is coming against the Word of God. The Bible tells in Esther chapter 4, verse number 9, notice what the Bible teaches us here. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the, pro of the king's provinces do know that whatsoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king into the inner court who is not called, 
There is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he, ha that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king, uh, unto the king these 30 days. What is Esther saying? As the news came to her, and she was told about the decree, Mordecai had given Hatak a, a copy of the decree and told him about it. He, of course, relayed those words to Esther. Esther was troubled with those things, thinking, if I go before the king and he is not wanting my presence, if he does not hold out that golden scepter, his golden, his golden staff, if we could put it that way, um, and he does not accept my presence, I will be killed. Do you understand what you're asking or implying by me going to the king untold? Notice what the Bible continues to say. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom, notice these words, for such a time as this. This is a powerful statement that Mordecai states. He, through a messenger, through Hatak, Looks to, more, looks to Esther, in essence, in words, and says, relay this. I know of Esther's difficulty, the struggle in faith. She goes to the king. She's not called. She will be killed. However, God may have set her in government as the very queen herself. For such a time as this she may be the one in which God is going to use to fulfill his word of bringing a blessing upon his people you see Mordecai saw the next step he saw the next step as in God may have very well brought all these circumstances the difficulties of watching Esther my niece, my daughter, adopted daughter, taken away and become queen, even against what her wishes were. And yet God is blessed. Yet God has given her opportunity in this suboptimal time. But it truly God has prov provided above all that we could ask or think in this. And he has kept and he's been protective. And maybe God is prepared for all of this for Esther to be that one, the one who can speak to the king. You see, he was hoping in the word of God, hoping in that preservation that the word of God stated for the people of Israel, and he believed the word of God enough to act upon it. You see, faith is action. We've stated that many, many times, and how we need to have that ingrained into our heart ingrained into our spiritual mindset mordecai just didn't say well i guess it's just a matter of days now no he put he prayed believing it with a humble heart allowing god to collect his thoughts and to set his mind and as god collected his thoughts and collected his mind he said there's an opportunity here by faith, I'm going to approach this opportunity. By faith, I'm going to speak out. By faith, I'm going to use the connection that God has given me as an opportunity to see what God may do. If God closes this door, if God doesn't open this opportunity, then he's got a better plan. He has something else established. But it would be a miss for me to sit aside complaining that woe is me when I could express faith by action and see what God would do. Oh, how powerful it is that we express and are willing to act upon faith. Faith is an, op faith, as faith, as God gives us opportunities, 
faith is going through those opportunities as God leads and provides. I'm not talking about opportunities that we know are sinful, but I'm talking about opportunities that God may give at this time that enable us an opportunity to possibly bring about a connection, as it were. I think of a man named Gideon. Gideon, in the book of Judges, was a man who was a meek man, a humble man, a man who thought very low of himself. He was of the least of the tribe of the children of Israel, the Bible states. And the Bible tells us that God came to him and said, I'm going to give you the privilege of leading the children of Israel to fight against the Midianites. Now, the Midianites was a huge army. It was a large army that had come against Israel. The Israelites did not have the strength to go against the Midianites in and of themselves. <clears throat> Gideon, when he heard of this news, when he saw and or when he heard the news that God wanted to use him, he says, "Wait a minute, God, you've got the wrong man. I'm not. Uh, I'm nothing special. I'm no. I'm. I'm not one that's great. You have some. There's someone else that could do a better job than me. There's someone else that is more suited." And God says, I want to use you, Gideon. I want to use your life. And Gideon says, well, if you really mean it, God, here's what we're going to do, if it's okay. I'm have, I have a fleece. I'm going to put this fleece out on the ground. And when the dew comes, would you make it to where the ground is dry all around the fleece? but the dew is on the fleece. Would you give me a sign or let me know that this is exactly what you want? And so Gideon did just that. He put the fleece out at night, and sure enough, the ground was dry and the fleece was wet. Gideon then said, God, Maybe it was just a coincidence. Maybe it was just a dry night. <laughs> Maybe someone spilled water on my fleece. <laughs> Could I really make sure that it was you? That you're the one that would give me the sign, that you're the one that wants me to do this. He says, I'm going to put the fleece out again, but this time let's do it in reverse. The ground wet, but the fleece dry. And then I'll know that you, are, you want me as the one to lead this army. And so we know the story of how God did exactly that. The fleece was dry, the ground was wet. Gideon said, okay, I will gather. He gathered an army, and God said, we have, you have too many people. And he says, wait a minute, too many people? Do you see that army? Uh, I've got, I don't have enough. And God says, you have too many. Remember, I am with you. Remember, when the Lord is with us, we are more than conquerors with him. Uh, he truly outnumbers the mighty host of any army. We truly have a great and innumerable God. And the Bible tells us that God whittled that army of thousands that were to go against the Midianites, just 300 men. He took it down and down and down. And the Bible tells us with those 300 men, Gideon, would go out and he would fight against the Midianites and he would fight a great victory. And God would conquer that Midianite army in a powerful way. It's truly incredible at what God has done with Gideon. But none of that would not have happened had Gideon not took that step of faith. I've said, okay, I believe you've convinced me, God, and now I take that next step. I don't know what's going to come. I don't know what's going to happen when I put that step out, that foot out, but I believe you are in control. And as Gideon took that step out, God provided, God blessed. Reminded of a teenager named David. He was a young man just simply delivering lunch to his brothers. And as he was delivering lunch to his brothers, the Bible tells us there was a giant named Goliath that came out and cursed the Lord God and stood against the, the, the army of Israel. He, a Philistine, came and swore 
and took God's name in vain. And the Bible tells us that this young man, David, would stand up for the Lord and stand up for that which was right. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know what was going to take place fully, but he knew God was with him and he knew God was going to provide. He knew that if he took a step of faith, that God could then move mighty hand. God would then provide in a way in which only he can. He knew God could do the impossible. And so we know the story of how he took five stones, a sling, no armor. There was no sword in his hand. And the Bible tells us with just those five, st five smooth stones, he took that sling. And of course, as the children sing, uh, sing uh, he slung it round and round and round and up in the air it went. And the giant came tumbling down. And that giant fell down because of the battle that was truly the Lord's and God blessed because these men, these people decided to take a step of faith. They decided to take that next step. They decided to take the step of opportunity that God had given them. And as we think about things that go against the word of God, God gives us opportunities. God gives us an opportunity to speak. Everyone who is residing in the UK has an opportunity to speak. We do. We can speak to our MP. We can speak to those above us. Tonight I'm holding before you testimonies, and these are not all of them, but all of these front and back are testimonies of those who have spoken out for us and churches during this second lockdown. Like we were all wondering and trying to figure out what was going on and what should be the right response during this first one. And as we began to see God dwell and God build some things in our hearts and lives, lockdown ended and things began to ease. And then, obviously, with this second lockdown, our voices have gone out. We've contacted our MP. And by the way, you should as well. It's very vital that we speak out and we utilize our voice. We utilize every means possible for the opportunities that God gives us. Now, my opportunities are different than yours, and your opportunities are different than mine. It doesn't mean mine are greater than yours or vice versa. It means God has given us opportunities, and we as Christians, as children of God, ought to take that step of faith and take the opportunities that God has given us. Mordecai took that opportunity of faith and expressed to Esther what God may be doing. We, we need to understand that when we act by faith, we are not knowing what is going to take place, but we believe God has something in store that only he can do. And unless we take that opportunity by faith, we are robbing ourselves of seeing a blessing of the hand of God moving to meet the needs of his people. Let me read just a couple. I don't have time to read all of these, but I'm going to read just a few testimonies that MPs from across the UK have voiced as they have heard the voice of God's people. Tim Farron stated this as he protested that churches be placed as part of this second lockdown. He stated this, does he accept that? Speaking of the, uh, of the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, for churches and other faith communities, although building themselves may not be sacred, what goes on within them is... We have noticed over the last few months that the importance of verbal and nonverbal cues when people are gathered together, which allows them to help one another when they are mentally and emotionally struggling. While I understand the logic behind the closure of these places, it is potentially hugely damaging to people's mental health and well-being. Does he agree that this needs to be reviewed at the soonest possible opportunity? Jim Shannon stated this, the minister is not here but there is a good understudy, the Lord's Commissioner of Her Majesty's Treasury, the Hon, member, uh, member for Castle Point, 
in her place taking notes. I asked the governor uh, or government to reconsider the closure of churches. My email box is, has been full of requests on their behalf. Our lockdown in Northern Ireland has been successful and we have been able to give people a place to go once a week to meet in unity and pray for the future of this nation. Notice these words, to seek God for strength, peace, comfort, hope, wisdom, forgiveness, and even at this, and even joy at this difficult time. He continues, we need wisdom and the call for a national day of prayer is for those of Christian faith and others to unite together and pray for the help we so desperately need. We need support for the NHS, businesses, and the vulnerable, but we also need to humble ourselves and ask God to make the path straight as we work together to come through this COVID winter ahead of us. We must trust God and we must pray for the help we need. I think every one of us here should adhere to that. This is something that was spoken in Parliament itself upon the voice and the inspiration of the voices that took the opportunity to express by faith what God wants. Ian Paisley stated this, many of those elderly people who have strong faith are now being told that they cannot go to their places of worship here in Great Britain. I agree with the Han. Friend, the member for Strangford, that there should be a national day of prayer on which the community comes together. And our great church buildings sound out praises and prayers to our Almighty God in a way that puts Him first in our nation for the first time in a long time. We could state more tonight, many excellent testimonies. I highlighted just a few tonight. But incredible testimonies on how people who have simply expressed, simply spoke out, simply connected with those opportunities that God gave them. And when God gave them opportunities, they, they took it, they seized upon it by faith. Your, your, uh, your opportunities that God may give and open doors of faith might look much different than Mordecai's, and surely they do. But there was only one Mordecai. But there were many Jews that humbled themselves and prayed. God brought the opportunity to one man who would take a stand for faith. We don't know what one man can do. We don't know what one man's voice might touch and resonate upon the heart of one. My friends, God's uh, God has the heart of the king in his hand. He can turn it whithersoever he will. And we don't know what voice it might be, what connection it might be, what opportunity it might be that God gives us that opens the door for a change of spirit, for a change of action, for a change of direction. God can do anything. My friends, if God, if our God is as big as we claim in song and in praise, then we ought not to fear letting our voice be heard and allow God to take care of by faith what he desires to do. My friends, we simply need to be obedient and take that opportunity that God gives us by faith and watch God, secondly, faith open a door. through or God, by faith, opens a door. Mordecai realized the heartache of seeing his beautiful niece, who was like a daughter to him, truly taken from him to be the prospect to be the next queen. But was God doing something good in all this? A family was really broken apart. Little to no communication. Was this God's plan? It surely didn't seem dismal at the time. But now we have the whole story of Esther, do we not? They didn't have the whole story of Esther. Understand that Esther wasn't written before it all happened. <laughs> Esther didn't have the book of Esther to look through and to see, okay, here's exactly how it's going to happen, so I can do this. <laughs> she did not have that. This is a record of what happened that was inspired by the Holy Spirit and preserved by God. So we have the end of the story. We know how it works or how it ends. They did not. 
It was a step of faith to go through this door. It was a step of faith to go before the queen, or uh, the queen to go before the king. It was a step of faith for Esther to express the plan and to speak of, of, uh, speak of Haman's plan to kill the Jewish people. It was a step of faith for Esther to, uh, uh, to make, this dec- uh, make this decree known before the king and let the king know of the attempt on her very life. The open doors that God gave to Mordecai and to Esther they were willing to walk through. They were willing to go through. And I don't know what steps or what open doors God might give you. God may give you some vast open doors. God might give you some close connections with some people that expressing your voice might make a difference. My friends, I don't know how God is going to give connections and opportunities to each and every single one of us, but I do know that if every child of God was obedient to the what uh, was obedient by faith, God truly can make a difference. God can change the course of a country. God can change the course of a culture. God can change our country. God can turn the UK upside down for the gospel once again. God can be first place, but it's going to take God's people taking the opportunities that God gives him, uh, that God gives us and expresses by faith what God has instructed, gives us by faith the instruction to tell people the gospel, to tell people the truth of God's word, to teach and disciple and to instruct. It is a powerful thing to stand by faith and to walk by faith. Let me ask you tonight, will you decide to act by faith? Will you step through when God gives that open door of opportunity? Please don't let the devil deceive you by stating that your voice does not matter, it does. It does matter. A deception of the devil is that you are just one voice. What can you do among so many? My friends, every voice matters. God blesses no matter if it's heeded or not. God sent Isaiah, as we saw last week, to warn a country that was going to shut down, that many were angry against God and were broken and their lives would be destroyed. Why? Because they chose to be an enemy of God instead of friend of God, and those were the Jewish people themselves. If God sent Isaiah and cared enough for his people to send Isaiah, even though that many would not heed, ought we ought to think that our voice of the gospel is any less important than Isaiah's? Yes, his voice was preserved through scripture. Yes, his voice, what we have in record for us today, and thank God for that. But my friends, we are preaching the same powerful gospel that Isaiah preached. We're preaching the same God that Isaiah preached. We're preaching the same Savior that Isaiah preached. He is the same God, and as the same God, he is the same powerful God that can turn and change a nation upside down for him. We ought not to... Allow the devil to intimidate us, but rather to speak out and to let our voice be heard. To do what we can, but as we set out a course of faith, I want you to see lastly tonight, and we'll end with this, a life of faith enables mercy. Don't miss this, please. There's steps. Have we seen the order? Humbling, praying, a sound mind, faith, and faith enables mercy. What do we mean by this? Look at Esther chapter 9, please. Look at verse number 4. The Bible says, For Mordecai was great in the king's house. Think about this for just a moment. Mordecai was going through this in a difficult situation. We look at it as, okay, yes, we should not be shut down. Churches should be open. There should be things that are happening. There are things that are happening that ought not to be. We understand that. 
but our life is not in jeopardy like it was with Mordecai. There's no comparison between the two. And yet, even in this difficult situation, God gave favor or help or grace to Mordecai's very name and to his very testimony. Because he took the opportunities to do that which was right, God blessed him. Don't ever underestimate the power of God. When we do that which was right, even amongst a society that is not doing right, God can move and God can give favor, even in the time in which it is a difficult situation to do so. And his fame, notice what the Bible says, went out throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Then notice this verse, verse number 5. Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction and did what they would unto those that hated them. Do you notice how careful the wording is here? We skipped a little bit of this, so let me just kind of put these all into context here. Esther goes before the king. He holds out his scepter. Esther then would be given audience with the king, and she would prepare not one meal, but two meals for Haman and the king. At the second meal, Esther made the request known, told and exposed the plot, the decree that was given, and the purpose for that, and that she was part of that, and that she was a target of that very decree, and that she would also be killed. Haman then begged for his life, and the king then would take Haman, and he would be executed for his treasonous and the deception. And the Bible teaches us that then King Ahasuerus would send out another decree. Remember, a decree could not be changed, so he did not change this decree, but rather gave another decree saying that any Jew or anyone that wants to defend for the Jews, they are given permission to do what is necessary to take matters into their own hands, in essence, and to fight for their lives, for their families, and they are allowed to fight if, that, if those who are enemies of the Jews come at them, they are allowed to defend themselves and allowed to stand up for their families. It was a legal thing to do. The Bible teaches us that the Jews smote all their enemies. Notice it did not say those who disagreed. Notice it did not say those who didn't like them. Just those that took the sword and went after or attacked the Jews, those enemies are the ones that the Jewish people fought against. There were some that did not attack the Jews, even though they saw the decree. They did not fight the Jews, but they were for this going forward. The Jews did not smite them. There were some who were against the Jews. Those people knew it, but they did not retaliate further than those who came after them in their families. It was a response that was measured and full of mercy. The Jewish people could have took this as anyone who did not like me, I have now permission to attack. They could have interpreted that but they chose to be merciful. And only those who attacked were the ones they defended their families from. It was mercy. 
I've seen some headlines and I've heard talk that many speculated that this time would be the end, this, these lockdowns would be the end of church as we know it. Church would cease to exist through these times. And yet today, the church of God is stronger than it was prior to lockdown. God is blessing and moving in ways in which we can't even fully understand or even fa and fully take, take in. It is incredible how God has blessed His church and blessed His people even in a time in which it hasn't been an opportune time, humanly speaking. God says when, God, when His people step out by faith, that is the time in which God steps in and He does a work in which we cannot do. My friends, it is incredible to think of all the things in which God has done. Has it, uh, has it been optimal times? No, it hasn't. But God is a God who does the impossible. God is a one that does the work in which no one else can. God is a one who truly works and intervenes and blesses in ways in which we cannot fully understand. Our God is a God in the midst of the trials. Our God is a God in the midst of the troubles. Our God is the God who is bigger than anything. The church has grown and has strengthened during this time. God has blessed even our local church. We have seen a strengthening. We have seen God bless and move in so many different ways. It has been incredible to watch how God has worked. As we gave our numbers for the uh, AGM meeting uh, just about a week and a half or so ago, it was incredible to relay about how God has blessed and as God is working not only just among the physical aspects of the facility and the care of the physical meeting place, but how God is blessing among his people and how God is using this ministry. It is incredible to see how the gospel is taking an impact. The gospel works, my friends, and praise God that it is the power of God unto salvation. God blesses and God moves and God works. My friends, if, we, if the Jews could show mercy Ought we not to show mercy? Ought we truly to live by faith and be merciful to those who don't take those same steps of faith? In Psalms 89, verse number 14, the Bible says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. God's laws and God's judgments are perfect. His justice is flawless. Perfect in every aspect. And the Bible says that's a habitation. That's where his throne dwells in is the justice and judgment. But notice this statement next. Mercy and truth go before thy face. Incredible, powerful verse right here. God handles justice perfectly. His judgments are always right. But before the justice and judgment is given, notice this, God looks, His face looks for what? Ways to show mercy and truth. Look at the scriptures. Look at the word of God. As we looked at Isaiah last week, did not God warn the people of Israel? Just like God warned so many other countries about some things in which was going to happen unless they turned to him. God looks to give truth. God looks to tell others about what is coming. And he does so with a heart of mercy. He doesn't want to have to deal out the justice and judgment. He would rather be merciful and forgiving. His love truly wants to... Uh, balances the mercy and truth and the justice and judgment of God and God by his wonderful love wants to truly show that mercy and show that compassion he wants and desires to do so he desires for us to get right before justice and judgment enter the scene of our lives either here on this earth and or for eternity god would rather show us mercy and truth first so forgiveness can be given god is a merciful god if god would rather show mercy and his he wants to show mercy rather than deal out the justice and judgment ought we not want to do the same thing 
Ought we not as Christians ought to have that same heart that says, I don't want to have to operate in justice. I don't want to have to stand up and to make some hard decisions. I would rather show mercy. I would rather show compassion. I would rather show the truth. Ought we not to have that same heart? Was it not Jesus that said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Jesus, correcting the Pharisees, stated in Matthew 23, 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise, and come in and have omitted, notice, the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Jesus scolded, corrected the Pharisees about their stand for what they thought was right. You can't do this. You can't do that. They're, they had a whole law system that was completely set up. And as they set, it was, it was extra biblical. It was something that God never fully intended. And they argued and made points. God says you strained at a gnat and you swallowed a camel. You looked for one little thing and you made a big deal about it and you then acted upon that on that issue in which you made a huge deal about he says you've acted upon those things he says but you forgot about mercy my friends as christians can i remind us tonight that yes justice we ought to do right and we ought to stand for right and there's areas in which our life in which we must take that stand but we also must remember to have mercy we as Bible-believing Christians so many times, especially as independent Baptists, have taken that mercy and have thrown it out and have said, if you don't believe everything that I believe, if you don't believe every way that I believe, then I'm going to cancel you out. I'm going to do away with you. Wait a minute. What about mercy? Thank God he showed us mercy. Thank God he showed us some compassion. Thank God he was merciful to us, a sinner. If he wasn't merciful to you and me, we would both be in hell tonight. But thank God for his mercy. Thank God that he was willing to be merciful to us, sinner. God used one man to connect with his niece. I don't know how God will use one conversation, one connection, one relationship, one moment, or any other instant of, instance of life to change the course of an entire nation. I don't know what God is going to do, but I do know that if we truly have some mercy and apply some mercy to the account of others around us, my friends, it might move the very heart of man. It might move the very heart of that individual. My friends, we need some mercy today. Was it not Jesus who said in, verse, in Luke chapter 6, verse number 41, And why beholdest the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. You know, we're okay with pleading for mercy for ourselves. God, be merciful to me. Sorry. Please be merciful. But how, how much mercy have we given to others who have gone against what God states? We 
we need to have mercy. We've lost the compassion. We need mercy. I firmly believe that we ought to exact more mercy towards others than God has given us. Take that on board for just a moment. Let that sink in. By the way, if you exact more mercy than God has shown you, you will ever, you will ever be able to offer mercy for all of eternity. Because God's mercy was greater than ours could ever be given. God's mercy was great. I crucified his son, and yet he was merciful. Okay, so someone doesn't agree with you. So someone doesn't like what you stated. So someone didn't listen. Okay. Show mercy. Show mercy. I'm preaching to myself here just as much as I'm preaching to anybody else tonight. This is a subject in which all of us battle. We need to get back to the place in which we, yes, stand for justice. We will do that which is right here in this facility. We'll preach the word of God. We'll stand for truth. We're going to do justice here. But my friends, we ought to be merciful to sinners. We ought to be merciful to those around us. We ought to be merciful to those who don't agree with everything in which we agree with. We ought to be merciful to others. We ought to be truly compassionate and loving. Do not forget the heart of a merciful God. And God blesses mercy with more mercy i don't know about you but i need more mercy i need the mercy of god and god says i love to give more mercy to those who are merciful to others may we mind this very instruction let me close tonight by ending in Esther chapter 10. We'll read the entire chapter. There's only three verses. So. The Bible says, And the king Ahasuerus laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea, and all the acts of his power and of his might, and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Medes, of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was next unto the king Ahasuerus, and great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all his Powerful statement. God blessed a man that stepped out by faith. God blessed a man who was willing to be merciful. He was next unto the king. He could have exacted vengeance upon those who helped this in this decree. But he chose to be merciful. God blessed that. God blessed a man who was humble, who prayed, who had a mind that was focused upon the Lord. A man that stepped out by faith and allowed by faith God to enable him to be merciful to others. My friends, it's vital tonight that we understand this evening. God can move a country. He moved an entire kingdom through one man who decided to be biblical in his response to the government. Let's take this same practice, the same steps. 
and watch God do what only God can do. God is powerful. No one as strong as our God is. We've been singing about it all, all, all year long. We'll sing it during just a moment. Let's put the realness to our faith action. Let's truly respond biblically. Humble. Humility. Prayer. Stable mind focused upon the Lord and the Word of God. A heart that follows by faith. And a faith that enacts mercy. I pray tonight that you would see these things with Mordecai's life and many others in the Bible. We used Mordecai. There's so many other examples we could have used. But I pray that you would allow his testimony to help your mind begin to think. What happened next? What should I do? Here's what we should do. And by the way, if we as Christians begin to put this in action right now, I wonder how our country would change if we practice this right now. Revival starts with you starts with me. It's been said that if you want a country or revival to change or to come in, take a piece of chalk and you mark a circle on the ground. Then we step into that circle. And when revival has sprung out within that circle, begins to spread. What we're speaking of here tonight can change the course of a nation. God's word works. The question is, will you put it into practice? 